All right. So I um, uh, want to just uh, get into our bigger kid reflection time here and, uh, and ask you a, a question in just a minute. Um, it, it seems to me that there is a certain danger that comes with common ordinary things common ordinary things. I'm not saying that common ordinary things are dangerous in and of themselves, but that there is a danger that comes with, comes alongside of common ordinary things. So, so let's just kind of get a list going. Uh, Facebook and Zoom, uh, chime in and let's get a nice big list going. If we don't hit at least 20 things, I'm going to be disappointed, right? We're just going to say it. Uh, we, we can get to 20 things that are common ordinary things on Facebook and Zoom combined. Um, when I think about something that is common and ordinary, I think about breathing. Common, ordinary thing, right? We do it multiple times a day, every single day, right? It's a common, ordinary thing that happens throughout the course of our life uh, on a regular, ongoing basis. Now, the danger that comes with common, ordinary things is that we take that thing for granted uh, we, we tend to maybe lack thankfulness for it. We, we, we don't show a whole lot of interest in it. Um, we, we don't express a lot of excitement about it uh, because it's a common, ordinary thing. And my experience is that, um, that, that we'll, we'll kind of stay in that space. We'll, we'll sort of stay in that heart space that says, well, what's so great about breathing? We'll, we'll stay in that space until something comes and, and jars us a little bit. Now, uh, th there's different levels of jarring. Uh, on the less dramatic side, it might be somebody just pointing it out and saying, isn't it great that that common, ordinary thing happens? Isn't it great that you're breathing today? You're breathing without any kind of labor. You're breathing without any kind of difficulty. You just get to breathe in and breathe out. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to be interested in it. It just happens. Isn't that great? Now, that's enough to jar us and say, oh, yeah, that really is great that I'm breathing today. Uh, on the more dramatic side, uh, maybe we get some kind of medical condition that, that does labor our breathing or, or that makes getting a deep, full breath kind of difficult to do. And in that case, right, that's a more dramatic thing that kind of jars us awake a little bit. <clears throat> it raises our awareness of this common, ordinary thing and how great it is that it's common and ordinary. And on the even more dramatic side, maybe a spouse or a loved one actually stops breathing. And that's a, that's a moment when you realize just how great it is that this common, ordinary thing happens. Uh, this is exactly what happens uh, in Luke chapter 22. There's this, there's this common, ordinary thing, and, and Jesus says something jarring that, that renews the awareness of, of just how great this common, ordinary thing is. Um, the, the common, ordinary thing in Luke chapter 22 that they are, are doing, right, they're sitting down at a meal that, that really is kind of common and ordinary. It's called the Passover meal. Now, we, we need to just take a little bit of time to explain the Passover meal uh, uh, because some of us have, have heard this story 20 billion times. And it's a common, ordinary story to you. Some of us are newer to following Jesus and newer to the Bible, and so we want to make sure that we're all on the same page before we move forward. Uh, Passover meal is really interesting. Uh, it's something that happened 1,500 years ago, 1,500 years ago from the moment in Luke chapter 22. And, uh, and the story goes like this. The people of God had been slaves in the land of Egypt for about 400 years. And they cried out to God, and God said, oh, you are right. This is not right. My people were not made 
to be slaves. I, I did not create you to be slaves. And so God heard their cry, and he started doing miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. You can find that story in the book of Exodus. Uh, the last miracle was going to be the, the worst miracle that happened. Uh, God was going to send the angel of death into the entire land of Egypt, and, and that angel of death was going to go into every single household and, and kill the firstborn son in every house, right? It was a terrible miracle. But, but God also gave a way to be rescued from that. He gave a way to be saved from that, and it was super simple, right? Take the blood of a lamb and put it on the doorframe of your house. And if you do that, then the angel of death is going to what? Pass over your house. See, there's the connection, Passover language, right? So, so this Passover is happening. Uh, people are, are, are sheltered in their houses together. And, and, and God says, I want, you to, I want you to have a meal together. It'll be your last meal in the land of Egypt. I want you to have this meal together, last meal in Egypt, right before, you win your, right, right before I win your freedom. And sure enough, they have that meal, the Passover meal, and, uh, and then they are free. And when they get out into the wilderness, God says, hey, I want you to imitate that meal. I want you to celebrate that meal, share that meal together every single year, once a year, at about the same time. Now, why would God do that? <laughs> he knows that we are quick to forget, Right? Uh, everybody in the room is nodding and smiling and laughing, right? That he knows that we are quick to forget. We are so quick to forget our story, uh, who we used to be, who we are now. We're so quick to forget who God is and what he has done and what he might be able to do in the future. Uh, the Passover meal is great because it reminds them of their identity. They could stand and say, hey, I used to be a slave in the land of Egypt, but now I am, a, I, I am free. I, I'm an adopted child of God. He made me one of his own. He made us his own people. Why? Because of his great power and might. So, so the Passover meal is a great meal uh, because uh, it, it reminds them of their identity and it reminds them of the power of God. And so God told them to do it every single year so that they could easily remember it. Now, uh, Passover meal is not like a it's not like those other meals we mentioned earlier. This is not like a Christmas, Thanksgiving, uh, you know, a birthday dinner where you go to Pinterest and you find out the latest, you know, party trends and you try to host a really good party so that way you look good and, uh, and everybody really enjoys themselves. It's not that kind of party, right? The Passover feast is a deal that's extremely scripted and you follow the script. There's no deviating from the script. God says, eat this, eat this type of food at this point in the meal, and then eat this, and then drink this, and then eat this, right? It's extremely scripted. Even the dialogue is scripted out, right? Read this psalm at this point. Uh, read uh, 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 this comment and, and have this dialogue. Ask this question and give this answer. That's, that's an extremely scripted meal. And they've been doing that every single year for 1,000 years. 500 years by the time we get to Luke chapter 22. I don't know about you, but uh, if I do things in the exact same way, following the script the exact same way, I mean, you guys know me. I'm not really all that scripted, right? So, so if I do the exact same thing and follow the exact same script more than two or three times, I start to get a little, what, bored, right? It, it becomes common and ordinary, and, and we know the danger that comes from something that is common and ordinary. We take it for granted. We lack thankfulness. We, 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 we are, are, are no longer really interested or excited about it. 
and, and just see this, um, what, what Jesus is doing here, right? Jesus is, is probably in his, in his young 30s. So, so he's already celebrated this, this Passover meal at, at least 30 times. He's been with his disciples for the last three years. He's already had two Passover feasts with them. So, so you just have to see that um, this meal would have been probably common and ordinary for them. I mean, special, right, unique, but, but kind of common and ordinary. And, and, uh, and it would have been common and ordinary for the disciples. And so Jesus says something jarring. It, it, it's, it's just two simple words, but, but he says something jarring that sort of just raises their awareness that this meal really is great. Uh, the two words, right, it's just two simple words. He says, earnestly desired. If you've got a, a, your own Bible at home, uh, open at home, I'd encourage you to just circle those two words. And interestingly enough, it's actually the same word in the original language. Uh, it's fascinating. Uh, in English, you can't tell, but in the original language, it's like uh, Jesus says, I have longingly longed to eat this Passover meal with you. Right? Remember, uh, in Scripture, they don't have a way of like, putting it in, in red so it stands out. They don't have a way of you know, underlining it or, 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 or putting it in bold prints. That way, you can, they just repeated it. Right? When they wanted to emphasize something, <clears throat> when they wanted you to remember something, they just repeated it. And so Jesus says, I have longingly longed to eat this meal with you. And just think about the effect on the disciples in that moment, right? They're like, huh, what, why, what's up, <laughs> right? I have earnestly desired, I have intensely desired. All of a sudden, their awareness is raised, and they're thinking, wait, why? We, we've done this before. We, you've done this before. The, the people of God have been doing this for a very long time, Jesus. What's the big deal? Earnestly desired, longingly longed intensely desired to eat this Passover with you. And all of a sudden, the disciples go, huh? What? See, Jesus says something to raise the awareness of a common, ordinary thing and, and, and remind them just how great it is so that they can be reminded of their story, but, but also be reminded of the, of the great work of God the Father Almighty on their behalf. Now, uh, fr from this moment forward, it gets kind of interesting in the story. Uh, because in Luke chapter 22, what Jesus does is he takes this, this common, ordinary meal, and he, um, he changes it. <laughs> he makes it different. Uh, he, he doesn't follow the script. And we would say that he makes it better because he actually makes it about himself. So, so just see what happens here. Um, Jesus takes the bread in the course of the meal, right? Bread is the common, ordinary thing. That, that's, a, that's a normal thing to do in the course of the Passover. He's following the script. Right? But then he takes this hard right turn that just really jars the whole body and all of your senses. And he says, take this bread. This is my body. And all the disciples are like, that's not in the script. <laughs> right? I mean, they're just like, hey, wait, 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 wait. 1,500 years of history, 1,500 years of following the script. Jesus, you've followed the script the last two years. What, wait, wait, why are you changing the script? And Jesus says, take this, this is my body. And so what Jesus is doing is he's, he's changing this Passover meal to make it about himself. This, this meal somehow that they are celebrating in Luke 22 is about himself. And then we've got to see this, right? He says, do this in remembrance of me. And, uh, and that just means uh, do it regularly or do it more than once. Don't just do it here in Luke 22, but, but continue to do this in an ongoing kind of way. And boy, has the church picked up on this, right? I mean, if we calculated the number of times that this meal has been done, 
I mean, oh my gosh, the number would be astronomically through the roof. I don't even know how we would calculate that. When this building is open and we're able to gather here, uh, we celebrate the Lord's Supper, this meal, we imitate this meal every single week, right? Depending on which uh, worship time you come to. And a lot of churches do that. Um, this is just a, it's a very, in some ways right now, common, ordinary kind of meal. We, we've been doing it for 2,000 years, <laughs> multiple times a year. And, and, and so the, we, we know the danger, right? But sometimes we can approach this meal that we are imitating from Luke 22. And we forget just how great it is. We forget our story. We forget the power and the grace of Jesus. And, uh, and, and we kind of approach it with a not-so-thankful heart. We sort of approach it with a heart that says, what's so great about that? And so today, for the next few minutes, I just kind of want to sit on, on the story and draw out four words, four phrases for us that, that, that really just kind of uh, raise our awareness that, that remind us, oh yeah, that is so great. Okay, so, so phrase number one, we've already talked about it actually. Jesus says, I have what? Earnestly desired. I have longingly longed. And I don't think that's just for the men that have gathered around the meal uh, with him that night. I mean, maybe this is a stretch, but, but I, I, I hear Jesus sitting across the table from me saying, hey Dave, I have earnestly desired. I have longingly longed. I have intensely desired to share this meal with you because it is a great meal. And I don't know about you, but anything that, that Jesus earnestly desires, I want that, right? I want that. So, so Jesus says, I have earnestly desired. The, the second thing to kind of draw this out is really a collection of words in this story because Jesus seems to see this as a gift. This meal is a gift. Look at all the language here, right? He, he just, he takes the cup and he, here, take this, right? Uh, he says, this is what? Given, that's gift language, for you, right? Uh, I mean, this is such a powerful moment. Uh, Jesus knows that we live in a paycheck kind of world, yeah? That work for it, earn it, strive, pay me, right? That, that's the world that we live in. It's a world of, of striving and effort, and, and, and tired, right? And, and so, so this is the world that we live in, a paycheck kind of world. And here's Jesus saying, hey, look, there's this other, there's the kingdom of God that is different than this world. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of grace and a kingdom of gift. <laughs> it's a kingdom where, where a king sits on a throne and he just wants to give you good things that you haven't earned and you don't deserve. This is gift language, and, and Jesus is trying to give us hope and, and, and tell us, hey, look, there's something else. There, there, there's a pause from your, from, from your striving and from your effort, and you can rejoice in a God who sits on a throne and just gives you good gifts all day long. It's a gift. So, so earnestly desired. The, the second word is, is a gift, right? And, and then the third thing that really draws out the, the greatness of this is in remembrance of me. Uh, this is the way that Jesus wants us to remember him, right? I mean, of all the things that he could have said in this moment, this is the way that Jesus wants us to remember him. And, and, and when Jesus says that, he, he's really pointing forward, actually, to the next 24, 48 hours, uh, next three days of things that are going to happen. 
But Jesus is saying, look, I want you to remember my full work on your behalf. I want you to remember that, that I suffered and that I died, that I was buried in the tomb, and that three days later I rose from the dead and I have ascended into heaven and, and I sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, speaking to God the Father Almighty on your behalf. In remembrance of me, when we receive this meal, when we imitate this meal, we're remembering the full work of Jesus. And those two words are important, right, for you. Because all of a sudden, right, when we remember the work of Jesus, we're remembering the great work of Jesus and the great effect on us. I mean, this is a great work, right? He dies on the cross, and then, I mean, the dude rises from the dead. This is a great, great work, right? He ascends into heaven, and he's seated at the most powerful position that anyone could ever have. This is a great work, and it has great effect on our lives. Because now we can say the same thing that they said at Passover. I, I used to be a slave to sin, to death, and to the devil. And now I'm, I'm free. Now I'm an adopted chosen, loved child of God. That's my story. And so every time we, we receive this great meal, it's a reminder of our story. And, and we can say, I, I used to be this, but now I'm this because of what he has done. And so we remember his great work on our behalf, and it gives us hope, right, for, for what he might be doing today or what he might do in the future. Uh, four great things, right? He's he earnestly desires. He, he wants to give us a gift. He says, in remembrance of me. And then the, the fourth word is, is this, this little word called covenant. Right? Covenant is a relational word. Uh, it's a way of, uh, of Jesus sort of extending his hand, saying, look, I want to be friends. I, I want to be connected to you. I, I want to be in relationship with you. Covenant is a highly relational word. And, and this is a, a beautiful moment because if you go and read the entire context of Luke 22, um, Jesus already knows that he's going to be betrayed by a man named Judas. If you read a little bit further, Jesus already knows that a man named Peter is going to deny him three times. And still, Jesus sits at the table with these men, and he says, look, I want to be in covenant relationship with you. It's a powerful moment. When we receive this meal, it's like Jesus is sitting across the table saying, look, I don't care what you've done before. I don't care what you're going to do in the next chapter. I created you, and I love you, and I want to be connected to you. There's just nothing greater than that. A, a, a great covenant relationship from an almighty and loving Jesus. So, so look, th this is truly a great meal. <laughs> and I hope that today we've, we've just kind of refreshed and renewed the awareness of how great this is. If you're looking for some personal application, I, I would just kind of, I was just wrestling with this this morning. Uh, just four quick things, right? Make sure you don't miss it, number one. Make sure you don't miss it. Uh, maybe you have to come back here to Luke 22. Maybe you have to listen to this great sermon again. Maybe you, maybe you need to just linger on one of these four truths, but, but make sure that you don't miss it uh, because this is truly great, and we don't want to miss the greatness. Uh, second thing, Come. I'm looking at our parking lot right now. Uh, in about an hour, we're going to be out there celebrating the Lord's Supper, 1275 Fairview Avenue. If you live in Vegas or Indiana or Texas, you're probably too far away. Don't bother. But if you live in Brentwood or Oakley, come and join us. We're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper right here 
um, uh, uh, today at 11 o'clock. Uh, come and, and enjoy the greatness of the gift that Jesus has for you. Um, the second thing, right? I mentioned this already, but just linger. Linger on one of these truths uh, because there's, there, these are truths that, that are attached to this meal, but they're truths that are bigger, right? We're talking about a God who has done a great work and wants to continue do, to do a great work, a, a God who wants to be in relationship with you, a, a God who, who, who gives you good things. Those are bigger than just this meal, but boy, they're specially attached and uniquely attached to this moment. So, so linger on one of these truths. And then the, the fourth thing would, would simply be to celebrate. It maybe feels silly if you're older, but write Jesus a thank you note for who he is and what he's done. Uh, it's a simple way that you could pray, and, uh, and, and Jesus is going to see that, and he's going to say, you got it. This is who I am. This is what I do. So take time to celebrate and, uh, and be thankful for our great God. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we, uh, we, we do thank you so much for who you are. Uh, we are sorry that sometimes we, uh, we, we, we don't approach uh, this meal and this moment. We don't approach you with the sense of awe that we should. We are sorry for that. We ask that you would forgive us for that. And we thank you for this moment. Uh, this moment and stories like this that can just renew our appreciation. And that can renew our awareness. Uh, that can raise our senses and look at you in a fresh new way and say, you are so great. This meal, this gift is so great. And we thank you. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen.